0: I'm Rob Vanstone. I'm here with my worthy constituent, Dr. Murray McCormick, and we are here for a wrap up edition of the Rider Rumblings podcast. Not all of these rumblings will be Rider related because we'll ta- be talking a bit about the Grey Cup, uh, Sunday's uh, victory by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers over the Hamilton Tiger Cats. But, well, there's, there's a lot to sum up Rough Rider wise, too. Jeremy O'Day, the Rough Riders' general manager and vice president of football operations, met with the media on Tuesday. Murray had a nice chat. With Rough Rider President CEO Craig Reynolds about uh, the revenue sharing uh, concept that, uh, without a lot of specificity, Commissioner Randy Ambrosi referenced in his State of the League media conference on Friday in Hamilton. So, we got a few things to chew on uh, before we uh, we take a little bit of a pause, I would anticipate, until there's newsier things going on with the Rough Riders. Um, let's start off with the revenue sharing thing because you've got Uh, you did have this conversation with Craig Reynolds, who I think provided more insights on this than did Randy Ambrosi. and a lot of alarm bells have been raised, especially with pertinence to the Rough Riders in that I think the premise of of a lot of those objections or concerns was do you want community-owned teams such as the Rough Riders funneling money toward large corporations, well-heeled corporations such as MLSE or billionaire owners, and that there's a certain, uh, there's a kind of a visceral uncomfortability with that. Um, but it doesn't seem from what you said to me a little earlier today, that that's necessarily the tenor of this uh, this uh, concept.
1: I think I can safely say, Ryder fans, don't have to panic about gate revenue sponsorships and merchandise sales and things that teams generate on their own going to support the Argos as well. The Argos, the Lions, the Alouettes, let's say all these teams that are struggling. It's more of a United States. It was more of a national revenue sharing of money that is generated through the TV contract, the, the national sponsorships, this this genius thing, whatever it is, whatever know, that is, whatever that is, and that kind of stuff. So it's not it's not as dire as we thought it was. We thought that the rough we're going to be spending money to keep the Argos, and the Argos can take, let's say, four hundred grand from the Riders and slap it on a quarterback. They can't do that. It has to go to has to go to things that are directed towards football up football things like sponsorship. So it's and another thing, too, the writers just aren't going to pour money east. It's capped at how much money they can use and there's accountability. And that's so there's. I was kind of like you, I thought, oh, revenue sharing, my joke is it's a four letter. It's a two letter. It's a two word thing, but it's a four letter word out west and I really thought it was really something that was being a big mistake and made. but it just sounds like more accountability. Teams need money. Let's say the teams have to dip into it to get things that that money is there and that revenue is there to be shared and to be used. That's more of a, so it's not really I sort of know, like I mean, an
0: emergency fund. That's kind there of like to be, that
1: both. Yeah. It's there to be used. And let's say, you know, the, not saying the riders would ever need it, but we may, they may need it someday. So it's more of a formal thing. And it's just part of the business plan that's been generated out of COVID and stuff. So I guess, I didn't think Randy did a great job of explaining it. I thought there a few details, and I tried to read. But Craig did a job as it, And I'm paraphrasing, but it's it's capped, which makes me feel a whole lot more comfortable. That's just not free money flowing. I don't I don't know what the percentage of revenue sharing is or what the cap is because that's just that's not how the CFL does business. But it's it kind of makes me feel a little optimistic about the future of the league that the, now they're recognizing that. The teams just don't have to survive on their own, that the league's got to step in and maybe help out with some of this money, if that makes sense. And it's, it's funny because people are all upset about this, but it was 40 years ago. Like, I know I revenue sharing was pretty was pretty darn important to the riders back then.
0: Yeah, it was called gate, gate equalization back then. Yeah.
1: So you get, you know, Toronto's having big crowds. BC was having big crowds. Montreal I think, was having big crowds. And oh, they, in
0: the early years of Olympic Stadium, they were getting massive crowds. So,
1: so they had the money to support the riders. Now, I talked to Tom Shepard, who was just sort of starting his what seemed like to be his 100-year run with the Rough Riders. <laughs> and I said, asked me how how was that first great cup? And he told me, I haven't been alive that long, Murray. But anyway, Tom says that money was significant, but it wasn't the be-all and end-all. It, they, they, it kind of helped them get through, but they still made it through the season. And it was just, so I kind of thought, Saskatchewan's dipped into this gate equalization revenue fund before, and I think maybe you should be a little more aware of how what it means to Saskatchewan. And it's we forget it's not the Saskatchewan Rough Rider League; it's the Canadian Football League. And these teams you just have to support them because you can't play four teams that are surviving. Let's say Winnipeg, Edmonton, Calgary, and I don't know, Hamilton can't play each other all the time. You got to have nine teams. So if they're going to survive and move on. I think it's a reasonable thing to do. And I I don't think it's as, as people are are complaining, panicking, seem to be panicking about as much as that. But I also want to say, but never say never in the CFL though, Rob. What about, what do you think of this whole talk about three downs versus four? I think, and I'll I'll also go back to Craig on this. He talked about that. The fact that is every year they look at the CFL and see what they can do differently. Normal business practices. So they're looking at, the three downs versus four, I didn't get the sense it's really going to happen. It's just something they're looking at Better to maybe not. make think No, and I think there's a lot of people that are quite upset about that, but I think it was just, what can they do to make the game? Because you and I both know, until the playoffs, the games weren't all that exciting. And I don't yeah. know four downs changes that by any stretch of the imagination. I love the three downs. I love what it has to do. I like to have the pressure on first down when you've got to move the ball. You've got to do something. You can't just hand off to the guy and get two yards and stuff. So uh, I don't think it's just, they're looking at the bo- model. They're seeing which way they can do maybe attract younger fans. I don't think. But if you do fans- so,
0: is it the ex- at the expense of your traditional base? You know, yeah. if you, if you alienate the, uh, the demographic that is basically you and I, um, people in our age group uh, to, in order to gain younger fans, well, that's nice, but you're, you've also lost or, or, uh, disappointed some people who have been in your corner throughout and sometimes I wonder if the older demographic and granted I'm part of that so maybe that skews my judgment or my perception here but they're so they're so eager to attract a younger demographic are they taking their existing fan base which is still substantial for granted and if you're trying to appease the 20 year olds the 30 year olds the 16 year olds but if you alienate the the 55 year olds are you any further ahead um, I don't know.
1: I think the four down where you can't see my hand, this might be the rest. The four downs is just a thought, something in the air, something. And I, I think the timing of it during the great cup was unusual. I think they could have floated that after the great cup and kept the focus on the great cup, but they have to report on something. So I, I think it's like, it's not, the, it's not top of the mind right now. It's just something they're looking at among other, I'm assuming other rule changes that are maybe Liven up the game, like. I mean, what what rule changes could they make to their game, Rob, that would liven it up? Which would do I have something- a
0: theory? I have okay. a theory. The three downs is is working to the league's detriment in this manner. Defensive coordinators can look at this, and basically, if, lo- if this is all predicated on being able to do what the Calgary Stampeders did, which is get a good push with four pass rushers, the Rough Riders were also pretty good at that this year. A lot of teams were in Winnipeg, for example. If you can only have to send four pass rushers, you can put eight guys back into coverage. You can play a zone and good luck trying to go over the top or having a consistent vertical passing attack with so many players back in coverage. So then all that is left to the offenses is running plays or short ball control passes. The Jason Moss offense basically. Yeah. And the defensive coordinators are basically playing the percentages and saying, "Okay, if you want to if you can move the ball 80 yards in 13 plays and get a touchdown. Good luck to you. But I am betting that on at least, especially on first down, at least one running play isn't going to be that successful. At some point in that drive, there's going to be an incompletion, and if either of those happens, you end up punting. And that's where the where basically the two downs of offense works in favor of the defensive coordinators, as opposed to once upon a time, it was. We've only got three downs. We can't have a run, 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 run attack. We've got to throw. But now the nature of the passing game has changed so much that it's not a bombs away. Let's fire the ball over the field offense. It's a ball control, you know, uh, pick, your, pick away at the, at the defense model. And so that's where the game is being hampered. And that's where the excitement, that's why the excitement is waning. So here is my solution. As it stands, the ratio requires that at least seven Canadians start. Doesn't reco- doesn't have anything to do with how many are on the field at one time. So def- defenses, head coaches, generally generally put more of their Americans on defense than on offense. So you've got an imbalance that automatically favors the defense in those situations. And so uh, that I think that works against against mismatches that that almost plays into the defense's hands you've also got situations where offensive lines are based upon continuity and timing and everything so their personnel ideally except in the case of injuries is not going to change you want the same five offensive linemen now look at craig dickinson look at look at jason shivers and how interchangeable many of their defensive linemen are most of them are american so you've got fresh american defensive linemen exerting pressure on canadian offensive linemen who I think are more subject to fatigue because they aren't interchangeable. They can't be interchangeable or there's chaos. So here's my solution. Have require that the same amount of Canadian, that there's to be a certain amount of Canadians on the field at all times. I would say that the number should be four. And then you've got an equitable arrangement offensively and defensively. You can't load up your defense with as many as 10 or 11 Americans as some coaches have done that takes care of the imbalance, it introduces equity, and I think it would create some mismatches and uh, allow the offenses to flourish again. It's a simple solution. You've got a ratio anyway, just employ yeah. just it differently. Mandate that there must be four Canadians on the field at all times. And it's easier to monitor too. You don't get into the vagaries of the situation such as the, that faced the Hamilton Tiger Cats when they were uh, disciplined by the league for a, a ratio infraction in, in the season, meaningless season opener against Hamilton, Chris Jones got dinged for that once when he was in Saskatchewan, and it's hard easy to see how that can happen when there isn't a strict requirement of there being a certain amount of Canadians on the field at all time. So just make it four. Some may argue three, but whatever it is, put have the defense and the offense in the same, on, have, give them a level playing field ratio wise, and I think you will then see uh, some situations where uh, you might have more mismatches and, and a better and a better uh, more entertaining product. So the answer lies in the ratio.
1: I think to me, it's pretty simple. I think it is too. And I, everything you said there, I completely agree with. And I thought of that too, many, many times that, you know, remember when the offensive line changed and we went to more American tackles because these Canadian tackles, arguably not all of them couldn't keep up with these American offensive linemen. So that position kind of came more American. And
0: we saw that a bit this season. Oh, especially this. When they used the Canadian tackle.
1: Wow, I know. (laughs) Yeah, so I think, and more teams are going that way. Look at Winnipeg, who are their two, who the, who are their two state well, their mainstays and offensive line are all five, but two great American tackles that can deal with any sort of defensive line pressure.
0: Yeah, they got Hardrick but, and they got Bryant. Well, yeah. Hardrick got lit up on one play in the Grey Cup, but that'll happen.
1: That'll happen. That's that. But I agree with you, Rob, and I think that's something to look at. And uh, maybe I, I sense a column there in your.
0: Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing definitely doing that this week. I, <laughs> I mentioned that before. Forehand, Lelje mentioned it a few weeks ago. I think he was on I uh, Pardon me, CKRM. When he when he when he talked about this, Dave Dickinson sort of alluded to the the, the same issue. I, I wrote about this a year or two ago about how the answer is simply just standardize the amount of Canadians around the field. It's so much easier to monitor, yeah. and then you've got eight and four versus eight and four. And then let's see how it works before you go changing from three downs to four downs. Before you start doing all this radical stuff. Doesn't it make more sense just to have an equitable situation, offense versus defense? Why should right. the, why should there be, why should it be weighted more heavily toward the other? And it doesn't really require a ma- a, a, a massive change in terms of the philosophy regarding Canadians. You still the the Americans still predominate. You're just you're just evening it out, and, and I think it, that would that would address the imbalance that we're seeing now, where defense tends to trump offense.
1: And you would also maybe get another Canadian a job in the league too. Absolutely, Because you're saying four, four. I'm assuming you four on offense, four in defense, and
0: yeah, and even yeah. have and mandate there must be four in special teams too. You know, there's really no, no. Well,
1: uh, yeah, I think that one. Matt, looks does that one look after itself pretty well? It a looks lot after of itself. I mean, just
0: just make sure you got four in the field at all times, a minimum. If you want to play five, go right ahead.
1: Let's move on, I, Rob. I think we can't move on without talking about the Grey Cup game. Yeah, um, uh, I know you're a big halftime fan. What did you think of the <laughs> the Arkell's show? I'd never
0: heard of them until they were introduced as a halftime show. Um, But you know what? You know what I like to see? I like to see musicians and musical groups that actually have percussionists and and instruments and trombonists. I I think it's got to be the first trombonist in Grey Cup halftime history since, I don't know, uh, 1938 or something. Um, (laughs) There was none of this electronic garbage. It was musicians playing instruments. And creating a lot of energy, especially toward the end. It was really yes. an energetic performance and one that even though I'm a musical snob with a with an absolute preference for jazz at the exclusion of everything else, I like the energy that, that, that seemed to be exuded by that performance. And uh, so yeah. I just I thought it was cool to see trumpets and trombones. I just wish they were playing some jazz.
1: I was a little sort of disappointed with the Lumineers aspect of it. I thought that was why play slow music during a slower music during a Great Cup halftime. You want it. Rock and live, you don't you don't hear Springsteen playing uh, the river when you're doing the Super Bowl. He played his rock and roll greats, and I love the ending. I give me more fireworks, give me more fireworks, give that me was more band. That was that was the only band.
0: fireworks that there'd been in the Great Cup toward that I point. To that but point. also give
1: him credit going with this, a hometown band like that. Like it's just Canada now. Canada has some great rock and roll bands. Archells, the Trues, I keep pumping the Glorious Suns is great. I know it's not your type of music. It's my type of music and I loved it. So it was a great halftime show. First half football picked up in the second half, I think. Got a little. Oh, absolutely.
0: First half was just a quintessential 2021 CFL game. Yeah. The second half started looking more like the CFL we like as, as did the playoffs in general.
1: Yeah. I think they're all
0: generally good, been good. We're, We're generally good.
1: And you know there, and I also like the fact there was debate after this game, discussions about strategy, discussions about things that happened. Sometimes it just goes right straight to the, you know, how, why is Winnipeg so great and why did Hamilton lose? But the the fact that Tim White gave up that rouge to go to make it a twenty a three yeah. point game and was still, and the fact that Michael Shea backed Orlando Steinhauer in his press conference saying he would have done the same thing too. I'm going. That's just you the
0: coach's, coach's uh, code, though. You don't malign another that coach. That was a
1: line drive kick. And he, had, he would have probably got to the 35-yard line. Oh, easily, yeah. Easily. And it would have Maybe even further. Like, this, is, this is almost a former Olympian. He's got incredible speed. He returned a punt, I think, against Ottawa. Or not Ottawa. <laughs> the week before. He's just an incredible talent. And I, I really think that was kind of a strange call. I give Mazzoli credit. Did he help his free agency status? You know, comes in off the bench. And what... It worked so well for him. I like the way Hamilton used. It worked well having Evans and Mazzoli when they were there, and they appeared to be. There's no animosity. There's no quarterback controversy. They understand that's the way they're going to win, and they're going to go ahead of it. It didn't work out. That was a um, the interesting pick at the end of the game. I liked it because I don't know It touched three different hands, and the defense won the game for the Bombers. And regardless of everything the Bombers did this year, we're going to remember them for a defense and a defensive play at the end of the game won it for him, which I think was pretty cool too.
0: What I didn't understand is that the Tiger Cats are first and goal from the five and they ran the ball. Um, yeah. Why did why did they, Speedy Banks scores a touchdown, why did they not get Speedy Banks the ball near the five-yard line? They're down there, they've got somebody who even though he's bordering on 34, is still their best offensive playmaker. Yep. Why not just get Speedy Banks the ball in space? That's the guy you want to go to and it's just like they ignored him except for that one touchdown that he scored. The, the play calling was was really curious. They were so close on that last play to Ackland. Yeah, the so ball was- just got, got ball just barely got tipped away. But uh, uh, the first down call, as soon as that run goes nowhere, then they've mm-hmm. got time for one play. Uh, I don't know why they didn't try some different things. Or so a mobile quarterback. Roll him out a bit. Use his mobility. Give it. Give him some options. Uh, uh, to me, the run right up the middle. That was the least. Yeah, uh, that was the least productive call they could have made in that situation. They just threw him at this chunk of humanity and second suddenly a second and goal from the five. If you're gonna run the ball, at least do so with a bit of imagination as opposed to clunk clunk up the middle splat.
1: Yeah. But how good is Winnipeg, Rob, to win that game? To win the to win the playoffs. Like Zach Claris threw, what five picks in two games off the top of my head? And gets the gets the most outstanding player, great cup MVP. I backed it a little bit. Upon further review, I think there should have been a great more consideration given to Sergio Castillo. You know, five field goals in those windy conditions, a convert did everything he possibly could, and uh, maybe he should receive more consideration. But I also know the MVP votings and stuff like that takes place pretty sometimes pretty early, and you're, you're both basing on but If it was early. Then,
0: how did Caleros win?
1: Because yeah, his, no.
0: his, <laughs> uh, his he did so best much, plays dude. were toward the end of the game, and give him credit. I mean, after after those the the back to back interceptions, he he regrouped. Yeah. He's always been really good at at flushing things and staying pretty focused on the task at hand. And he made some really nice throws. There was a touchdown to Dembski. There was what turned out to be the game winner to Darvin Adams. Uh, he displayed the arm strength. He displayed the patience in the pocket. He ultimately made the plays when he had to make the plays and that's what uh, uh, if he doesn't do that i think everything else is is for naught so i don't really dispute the the legitimacy of of Zach Kalaros as a as a uh, as a great cup mvp i mean you, you look at the uh, the west semifinal and Cody Fajardo threw four interceptions well so what when he had to make plays late in the game he made them
1: mm-hmm.
0: and Zach Kalaros didn't get picked off four times but he had some situations where he faltered and, and nonetheless uh, made the place. And my dog is so cute. Oh, Look yeah. at candy. There's our weekly candy cameo.
1: Oh she's such a shy. Are you a good girl? Are you a good girl? No way. Should we do anything besides sleep? It's oh not she's sleep, so it's just cute. dozing. I love her so much. You know I what don't... she's doing now? She's
0: she's preventing me from writing. Oh good. If I if, if I'm sitting down and I got the computer laptop on my lap. She does not like the fact that she's not getting attention. Well, basically splat herself right in front of the, between me and the computer and just lie looking at me like I want attention. I want attention. So I am not, I'm, I'm surprised she hasn't crashed the podcast already. Cause she's just such a, or if I'm, if I, if I'm looking, if she's looking at me and I look at my phone, if my eyes divert from her at all, she puts her paws on my shoulders and pins me down and goes in a face licking frenzy. She's the greatest dog ever, Murr.
1: That's awesome. Hey, uh, speaking of the greatest <laughs> ever, uh, I really was impressed. This
0: April in the Virginia Humane Society calendar, available for $10.
1: Perfect. Hey, uh, I was impressed with TSN's coverage of the Great Cup this weekend. Lots Except of
0: in-game interview. Those in-game interviews have got to go.
1: Yeah, but I know you... But that. The
0: coverage over, Rod Smith was terrific. Glenn Suter was terrific. And the, the features image, were the good, The images too. were terrific. They just, they did such a great
1: job. Beginning. So many cameras, so many camera angles and everything covered and all the stuff and I love the features and I love the, and you know, covering the walkthroughs, that was such a great idea to just to watch the walkthroughs and people find out that that's such a difference in the two walkthroughs that the blue bombers are all kind of having fun and hanging out in the bo- the tiger cats, it was business. But you also knew as soon as the cameras off, O'Shea took them inside and it was all business about getting ready to do all that stuff. But I, uh, yeah, kudos to TSN for its great cup coverage. I always love, I guess it's the next best thing to being there is getting to watch all the information that TSN uh, trots So Now we're going to, let's go quickly over to the Rough Riders. Jeremy O'Day, yeah. uh, he's not really a guy to show his cards very much. He's pretty well always been that way. He's not going to, pretty well had the expected answers. They want to get as many guys back as it. There wasn't
0: of. really much to extract from that at all.
1: He wants to get all his free agents back, which is not going to be possible. I, I looked through and I'd searched all the starters from the game on, uh, in the, from the West final. And, uh, I came up with three guys coming back for 2020, signed to 22, Cody Fajardo, Dan Clark, and Brandon Labatt. Uh, Jeremy pointed out that I I wasn't correct. And sometimes when they put out the press, they don't put how long they've signed for. So you're making some assumptions. But anyway, they just got a long list of free agents. Pretty well, anybody you think of is a free agent. And that's due to COVID-19. It's due to to the one-year contracts. I would think... uh, I don't know how much of the new CBA is going to impact things, but I
0: think and Baker would be under contract for more than yeah. one year, for example.
1: Like the rookies would be, because they have to. I think yeah. it's true and an option, so kind of like that. But so, I, but they still a don't. would be
0: under contract, you know. Yeah.
1: But I don't know what they signed for the for the year that wasn't on. It didn't take place. What kind of contract was there? No contracts in? I guess not. So I guess so. Maybe that's the part was because they didn't play football. Like we, you and I, we don't count it as a season. It but that dictate. counted as a
0: season contractually. So if you if you signed if you signed a two year contract in 2020, it's expired now. Yeah. Um But I didn't really get much from the Jeremy O'Day press conference. I didn't expect much to come out of it, and not much did. He he did mention the Duke Williams is expressing interest in returning. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a that's an encouraging sign. I, I I from that I wouldn't be surprised if that's one of the situations where they've just agreed, okay, we'll work this out, and when. When the fiscal year or when the calendar changes from 2021 to 2022, we'll just formalize this. I I, I was in, I was encouraged I think to hear that Shaq Evans is still in their plans. Um, Jeremy O'Day pointed out that it's tough to come back from a broken leg it's within just, a season.
1: We were told uh, it was a broken foot all season too. Yeah, which I know the foot's not that far from the leg, but it's part of the leg. It's, so it's part, it's you can't have a
0: body. can't have a leg without a foot. Yeah. This is the kind of educational uh, basis that we have on this podcast. Um, but what else? Uh, you know, there really wasn't much to extract. I, I asked them about the number two quarterbacking situation. They they said that they're very high on Mason Fine. Uh, I wonder where that leaves Isaac Harker. Um, late in the season, he was bumped from number two to number three. That, I think, is telling. Uh, I, I would hope that... I like Isaac Harker. I hope they're not ruling him out of their plans completely, but... Sometimes actions speak speak more loudly than yep. words. And when I did ask about the number two quarterbacking situation, uh, Jeremy O'Day referenced Mason Fine, but didn't mention Isaac Harker until I followed up with a question about Isaac Harker. So read into that what you may.
1: That's also your our obsession. Even Craig kind of teased me a little bit about the second string quarterback. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which was kind of yeah, but I guess an
0: issue. You know, I mean. It's an issue, it's, uh, but they have
1: a they have the number one guy locked up for another year, which takes a lot, you know, and Cody Fajardo, and I, I think you said a few good things about him in the past. A in few the future in the future, a little bit of bromance going there, you and Cody, I think. But yeah, and
0: congratulations to Cody Fajardo for winning the Gord Barbell Award, yeah. which uh, goes to a CFL player who exemplarates uh, exemp- exemplarates exemplifies uh, laudable behavior and Christian values on and off the field. And I can't think of a worthier recipient of that than than Cody Fajardo.
1: Yeah, and his, it was a, such a different thing. And I know that was the first time we've seen Jeremy in person. I've seen him at practice since '19, maybe. I, it just kind of was just it's kind of nice to be in person with the guys again and kind of put this. Uh, because they're back to normal protocols now, masks and that kind of thing. So it's a little. I
0: don't want to do any more Zoom sessions. Oh. I'm so
1: I'm oh, yeah. so. But but tune into our podcast. <laughs> yeah, but
0: that's yeah. on YouTube. That's not Zoom. Yeah, because we've got
1: yeah, two that dogs in the podcast. Uh, yeah, Zoom calls were made it very difficult. But I'm I'm glad they opened things up in the playoffs. So that's part of the, uh, you know, the protocols easing because things are getting better. How much? We're gonna see. Maybe happening. things are getting
0: better. Look at the Quite COVID in the National Hockey League, NBA, yeah. NFL.
1: And does the uh, CFL ever get fortuitous in its timing of the Great Cup. Because they could have been imagine if that was now in the way this this latest variance running through teams. They got their season in, they had one big incident with the Esco, uh, Elks. Basically everything so and we said kudos, but the players bought in. Everyone bought into what they had to do except for a couple of them. Yeah. And good for them, and, crude, and they they knew what was going on. They wanted to play football. It's also a job, so they needed the money, and that's probably another reason. But I, I, I kept thinking, and I, I mentioned it the other day when you, uh, when you made Cody get quite emotional at that season-ending press conference. And I don't know if I said it to you that time, but I found it just showed how much pressure these guys are under, and how much, you know, being tested and being on their own and not being able to go to restaurants and not being able to socialize. Also. Cody does wear his emotions on his sleeve, and I was still surprised, but I also felt, yeah, this is this is this way the season's been for these guys, and it's it's hard. It's they've been away from families, and Cody's probably seen his wife twice, you know, since the middle of July. That's so hard on guys, and I think part of it. I'm not saying that I'm not speaking for it, but it's my observation might have been deserved. How much pressure these guys were under, and it just kind of all overflowed for Cody and. Still amazing to see a quarterback do that, and I still find it quite. I don't know he's real, he's, he's genuine. Real. Very, he's yeah, not okay. going to
0: hide behind a mask, even in these COVID times. Uh, he's going to be exactly what he is and exactly who he is, and uh, may that never change.
1: Yeah. So what we're going to be quiet for the next little while. What do you anticipate? Do you expect anticipate a normal season? Can we can we sort of do that in twenty well, twenty? omicron I mean, you know. we have a great cup at the end too which also I mean, makes a
0: schedule for november 20th here's hoping that happens um, uh, but um, honestly we're dealing with the potential fifth wave who's to say there won't be a sixth or a seventh um, i mean I, I can't even look at the sporting lines, landscape right now and and be sure that uh, the NHL, NBA, or NFL won't be facing some, a hiatus or two in the weeks ahead. Now, uh, NHL participation in the Olympics is being imperiled as a result of this, whereas I think a few weeks ago, I think it was taken for granted that, that uh, most players would go. But uh, we're, we're dealing with, I think, without trying to sound like an epidemiologist, um, <laughs> I mean, this this Omicron variant is infinitely you know exponentially more transmissible than than say delta so where does all this go especially as we're getting close to the holiday season and people are more inclined to gather we're doing more indoors uh what could january be like what could february be like and on and on we keep keep kicking the can down the road Uh, uh until until there's a sufficient eradication of this not only in in uh, in in countries and on continents where where vaccination is more prevalent, until there until until some of the uh, less less vaccinated countries in the world can can uh, deal with that, this thing is not going away. This season was a bonus. I hope we have an eighteen game season, a full season next year. I hope everything is normal. But honestly, how could you even bet on what what uh, the world is going to be like a week from now? Well, I got week? my.
1: I got my booster last week, so i have been triple vax now. But I have to admit, it was a tough weekend. I had some reactions to it. And I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that as an observation. I'm not saying just because I have I mean, it.
0: yeah, your, your hair fell out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry.
1: God. Anyway, I felt like I'm I, laughing at I my mean, own jokes. I kept thinking to myself, I felt hungover, which I usually do at great Cups. But I hadn't drank during the weekend because I wasn't there. So I just felt this. This sort of, but don't ever let them be an excuse. Like, I give the Saskatchewan Health Authority. I went and got my booster. I was 45 minutes in and out. The, the people there are so pleasant. They carry on oh. a conversation. There's therapy dogs. There's pictures of kids that have drawn things. Inspi- inspirational Costco was
0: amazing? I went to the one at the old Costco, and there were drawings yes. everywhere.
1: And there's all these little sort of stick notes. The only thing missing was the hot dogs. Man, if they had a hot dog stand there, I don't know how many times. For Costco regulars, the hot dogs was like a deal. It's a buck fifty hot dogs and it was just a great reason to go to costco but yeah and, and i give him a lot of credit and it, it is and the shot doesn't hurt that's no, what i was right? the but flu I, shot
0: hurt. the flu shot really hurt the caught the uh the uh the covid shot was just oh you know
1: yeah so griffin just please everyone i know we can't get vaccinated just look at the numbers vaccinations work we know what they do just go out there and do your part and i'm so looking forward to it i know we're gonna have a, last christmas we got together outdoors on christmas eve the family was all at douglas park we all had hot chocolate we walked around and then we all retired to our separate places for dinners and stuff and it was it was different it gave the kids an op. my children an operated maybe developed some other traditions but man i'm looking so looking forward to them all being together this christmas because there's nothing better than christmas eve in the mccormick household with
0: yeah and go- we our tradition was certainly disrupted last year every christmas since 1984, we've gone over to the, or I, and then we, uh, gone over to the home of, uh, Dr. Mark Anderson, his wife, Roxanne, uh, the sons, Eric and Paul, dog, Portia, once upon <laughs> a time, Fritz, uh, and, uh, and we weren't able to do that last year, and, uh. You know we improvised and and uh i had a nice pizza and uh (laughs) on christmas night i i dragged out my old skates and i went for a skate at the lakeview outdoor rink where i I had not been since 1984. but this year on december 24th i can hardly wait to go over to the anderson's for christmas and blow away my diabetes diet and have too many chicken balls and um we're going to take our wonderful dog candy over there and we're going to have our first candy christmas so uh that would be awesome. And then even this Sunday, I'm going over, I'm going over there. I'm going to watch NFL all day with my godson, Eric. So it's nice to be able to do those things. Don't take them for granted because only a year ago, uh, you could do it, but you better not get caught. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, I hope everybody has the type of Christmas that I'm looking forward to. I hope I have the type of Christmas that I'm looking forward to. And uh, and I extend those good wishes to all well, of you out true. there in podcast land who, are, who have been so kind to bear with us through 49 minutes and 24 seconds of this bladder. Well, yeah, well, most a, of which hasn't been about my dog, but I tried to sneak her in. And most of it hasn't
1: been about anything new, but we're, we're glad to bring it. Rob, I'm out, we'll probably talk again, but Merry Christmas. And uh, let's outro this baby in a fine form for you.
0: Yeah, Merry Christmas to everybody. Merry Christmas to you. Yes, um, favorite pun. Uh, and now for the outro. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and a five-star rating. It helps us grow the podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I get them on Apple, I think. Um, If you'd like to send us a question, you can email me. That's Rob at postmedia.com And we'll read it on the show. And I should note, we've had a question as recently as October. So keep them coming. It's really hard to deal with the flood of questions we are receiving. (laughs) You can follow me at, uh, at Rob Vanstone on Twitter. And Murray is on Twitter at, at Murray LP at M-U-R-R-A-Y-L-P. So that is the uh, outro that I am legally bound to recite. All right. For at Murray LP, I'm at Rob Vanstone on behalf of the beautiful candy. Thanks for your time. Merry Christmas, all the best, the new year. We may talk to you before then, but uh, if we don't, stay safe, stay healthy. And uh, thank you for all your time uh, this year. Take care.